for those of you who cannot see, um, Amy Bishop, when she plays the organ, is truly hands and feet of Christ. She plays an entire keyboard underneath here that you can only see if you're preaching <laughs> with her feet, with her toes and her heels. It's incredible. Just FYI, since we're talking about the organ today. Um, let us now come before God with our scriptures. Listen now to this word from the Hebrew Bible, Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his surpassing greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with clanging cymbals. Praise him with loud, clashing cymbals. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now our scripture reading uh, from the New Testament comes from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18b through 20. Listen now to this word from God. Be filled with the Spirit as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? Holy Spirit, come. Come to us today. Empty us. Clean us out. That we might be filled with the goodness of God. That we might overflow into singing. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This particular auditorium is lodged in the side of a mountain, kind of like the memory of it is built into the growing up years of my life. The floors are tiled and sloped almost dangerously down to the chancel where animated speakers preach about their human flaws and God's goodness. The stage where one year a barefoot Irishman was the cantor and he sang refrains and rang handbells almost at the same time. The walls of this huge space are large, smooth mountain rock cobbled together, sturdy and steadfast. The acoustics that float out of the open windows of Anderson Auditorium make you wonder if the angels aren't hanging out under the shade of rhododendron and mountain laurel nodding their heads in recognition of something divine going on. I was in third grade at this particular Montreat Music and Worship Conference. Days were filled with huckleberry ice cream, choir practice, creekside picnics, and daily worship services in that stone chamber of awesomeness. 
The echoes of the harmonies bounced straight off the walls and into my heart. I don't recall exactly which hymn it was, but this one day we were all singing with organ accompaniment, and at one point all the instruments broke off, and the entire gathered group of thousands of musicians broke into four-part harmony a cappella. I was surrounded by basses, altos, sopranos, and tenors. They all knew how to sing. The cloud of human voices in that echoey stone hall felt like a cloud underneath my feet, holding me up and lifting me. It somehow soaked into my skin, the singing of so many gifted and faithful people reverberating out into mountain stillness. I looked up at my mom and I wondered out loud, this must be what heaven's like, huh? There's something indescribable about the experience and the wonder surrounding music. It's as though we human creatures can't fit all that thanksgiving or awe or tremors of grief into our bloodstream anymore, and it escapes out through our lungs, bursting into song. It can be a haunting tune at a tenebrae service or the stripped-down melody of were you there when they crucified my Lord at the Monday Thursday service. It could be the trilling of the trumpets and the soprano gusto during Handel's Hallelujah Chorus that adds a whole nother dimension to our Easter glee. We swell with nostalgia and gratitude at the sound of bagpipes at our Kirken of the Tartan service. And today, at our 1030 service, we will sing to baby towns the promise, lullaby style, that Jesus loves him while his hair is still wet with the promise of God's love. The language of the heart translates so purely into the language of song and music. It simply ascends the limits of the spoken word. Music shapes us in the faith, and we shape our faith through music. As I have marinated on this specific instrument of the organ under the larger umbrella of musical praise, it has been a really cool theological exploration. It turns out there really isn't a better symbolic metaphor for the worshiping Christian community than a pipe organ like the one in our newly renovated sanctuary. And most incredible of all, the magnificence of this engineering feat of pedals and stops and pipes and keys is not only the organ music inside these four walls of our church. The transformative power of music is not something that can be contained. The hymns and the concerts and the praise making burst out of the traditional sanctuary. So a fun fact about our particular pipe organ. It is polished up, refurbished, and tuned, and it houses 2,200 pipes in total. The reason for this many pipes is that every individual pipe has both its own pitch and its own specific timber, which is its sound, kind of like it can sound like brass or a flute. Any given pipe is just like you sitting out there today. There is no other pipe in the entire organ that creates the same exact sound as any other pipe. Even ones of comparable size have a different function depending on the flavor of sound that they were designed to produce. There's only one sound that is its true sound. It was created for this single purpose, 
It contributes to the whole system with a uniqueness that none of the other 2,199 pipes can duplicate. Each of us is created in the image of God, born with our own particular arrangement of DNA and our own passions and aversions, our very specific natural talents and weaknesses. From the moment of our birth, our life expands ahead of us with pure potential. This journey of finding our own voice is at times a breathtaking journey full of beauty and vividness, but sometimes it's a painful trudging through loss or humiliation. It's both a struggle and a delight, finding the voice that is authentic to us and not a replica of someone else's sound or the one we think we're supposed to make. Even more beautiful, once we start to settle into the richness that is our true God-given sound, we bring a real brightness and dependability as our single note in the set of organ pipes that is the community of faith. Now to the basics of how this organ works. The genesis of the vocals of this organ comes from pressurized air called wind. The wind moves through the pipes still us, remember, creating sound. Air moving in the beginning, stirring creation. You'll recall that in the beginning, wind moved over the waters of the world before God spoke life into being. The Hebrew word for wind is ruach. It is also translated as breath or spirit. Incredible to think about wind filling the pipes of the organ to create a sound. The pipe's role is to be a clear vessel, a conduit of the forces of the wind. The pipe is made to be filled up so that in the overflowing of the wind, it does the thing it was created to do, making a sound for the world to hear. We are made to be filled up. We are made to overflow outwards with the sound that is true to us at any given moment. So here we sit, a large variety of pipes, waiting to be filled up with the wind of the Spirit so that we can produce the sound we were created to emanate to the world. In Reformed theology, we call this the priesthood of all believers. There are some larger pipes and some smaller but they each have a place in the center. Not a single one is better than, holier than, shinier than, or more integral to the music than any other. And the music doesn't happen without every different shade and pitch, so they're all integral. No one is more special, but everyone is vital. Kind of like the smattering of us sinners gathered here today. God knows every hair on our head and every word before it is on our tongue, and yet we are as tiny as grains of sand. Preachers preach, yes. Pastors pastor, yes. But the claim of our faith is a gentle reminder to our egos that just because we stand in a pulpit doesn't make us any less fallen or any more righteous than any other face in the room. In fact, egos tend to get in the way of seeing one another and being a clear and open pipeline for the Spirit of God to move. 
So when you walk through those back glass doors at the back of St. Simon's Presbyterian, you will see all these rows of pipes just behind the suspended cross. And it seems like a good many of them, but there are literally thousands more hidden behind them in the recesses of the wall cabinet behind the choir loft. And this made me think, the visible pipes are like our worshiping community today, but we are backed and enriched by so many invisible pipes that contribute to our song, adding depth and wisdom, the communion of saints. There are so many redeemed sinners that have journeyed through this life before us, ones who've been baptized into the faith at this font, that have sung in the youth choir in this chancel area, that have messed up and then confessed their sin from this sanctuary and walked down that aisle to Pachelbel Cannon to marry a lifelife a lifelong partner or one that they thought could be. Those invisible pipes behind us are the lessons that they learned and the mistakes that they made and the grace with which God redeemed their best intentions. As Nadia Boltz Weber puts it, in the church we do the very odd thing of proclaiming that the dead are still a part of us, a part of our lives, and are even an animating presence in the church. What we celebrate in the saint is not their piety or perfection, but the fact that we believe in a God who gets redemptive and holy things done in this world through, of all things, human beings, all of whom are flawed. The broken humanity and the divine redemption of those who came before us are a sustaining resonance in the background, the invisible pipes of the organ music adding dimension to the glory of our faith. Now we come to the keyboard of the organ. When I was attending seminary, our growing little family lived on a street called Cambridge in Decatur, Georgia. It was a quaint and eclectic neighborhood. There were 1920s bungalows. There were also close to falling down tiny ranch homes with screen doors on rusty hinges. Coffee shops were starting to pop up on the corners, and the Marta station was only a block away. Our street had international families, stay-at-home moms, stay-at-home dads, and a few older black folks. I used to walk our double stroller down the sidewalk under the dogwood trees to the ball field and playground at the end of the street. Every single day, I would pass the big white porch where Miss Shirley was always sitting, rocking and waving. She had fuzzy old cats that came and went, and she knew everyone's name. Miss Shirley was neighborhood watch. And back in the day, for decades and decades, she was in charge of the concession stand at all the ball games for neighborhood kids. Everyone knew Miss Shirley, black, white, brown, and all the shades in between. One morning, we woke up to news vans lining our street at dawn. The neighborhood peeked our heads out from the doorways with coffee, pajamas, and bedhead, wondering what in the world. Miss Shirley had been shot and killed in the night. There were rumors that it was a family member who was feeding an addiction and had lost his mind. The shock to our neighborhood was swift and all-consuming. 
It was around Halloween time, and I remember that Halloween was so muted. Black and white faces glowed in the candlelight of the vigil that we held in front of her house to show her family how loved she was by all who knew her. Her funeral is held at the largest African-American Baptist church in town. The carpet is fuchsia. The people attending are ebony, walnut, chestnut, and cream. The casket at the front is shiny ivory, and the face inside is beautiful. The gospel choir robes are deep purple, and the flowers are everything. The music holds every color inside my heart, which I fear will burst from my chest at any moment. I hum along to the most soul-filled and stirring rendition of Oh, When the Saints that I've ever heard before, during, or since. And I watch the piano keyboard. The white keys and the black keys all sandwiched in together. A celebration of the life of Miss Shirley. To this day, when I see a keyboard like the one on our organ, I'm reminded of the power of that gathering of people, the intensity of our grief and the beauty of her life, a bridge builder who knew every single person's name, regardless of their skin tone or their job title. When we sit in this sacred space and we hear the foot pedals and the keyboard and the impressive array of pipes, We are listening to more than just the organ prelude or the anthem. We are watching pipes of every different shape and size chiming in with its own unique pitch, filled up with ruach and overflowing with multi-toned praise. It is a sound that is so much larger than any of its parts, resonating outwards, down the aisle, through the nave, out the church doors, into the neighborhood, and down the street. The sound is rich and wise, bolstered by visible and invisible pipes, a saga of a serenade by the faulty but faithful. And the fingers that graze the keys are witnessing to the beauty of black and white, working together to create harmonies that tell a story truer than words ever could. Maybe organs aren't your thing. Maybe you prefer the acoustic guitar or a fiddle. Maybe you are a singer, or maybe you just soak up the singing voices that surround you on any given Sunday. But there is no denying the beauty that can billow out from these walls when we empty ourselves enough to be filled up by the holy and to let that holy overflow in tunes of authentic praise. If for no other reason than simply because we cannot hold it in. We were made for this. Amen.